Indianapolis, it's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis, on a Sunday morning, June 21st, 2020. I'm Cameron Riddle. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Ebony Chappelle here. Happy to be here. Good morning, Indianapolis. We've got a great show for you. A lot to talk about of what about has been happening in the city of Indianapolis this past week. Ebony, earlier the discussion this week was about how to do police reform and what that looks like in this county. Absolutely. So there has been a lot of discussion uh, discussion around the issue of defunding the police and refunding the community. And this week, Mayor Hoxett's office announced that they are entering into a study with NYU to look at this um, very issue and to look at public safety as a whole and the root causes here in our city. So we're going to hear about that a little bit later on. Uh, Dr. Brianka Merritt will be uh, on our live line in just a second to talk about what that looks like and what are the possibilities. But we would also like to hear from you. Is this something that you think the city of Indianapolis and Marion County should be doing? And if so, what is the way to do it? We heard from some people suggesting a way that it could be done with Matt Davis last Sunday. And then we also asked the questions to uh, City County Council President Bob Osley. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, then the mayor came out with this. Uh, yeah. So we will talk with her about that as well as talk to you about what's on your mind uh, this week in Indianapolis. But first, let's get you caught up on what happened overnight in the news. A person is in serious condition after a stabbing last night at an apartment complex on the northeast side of Indianapolis. According to IMPD, officers were called to investigate the incident around 1045 last night in the 4300 block of Millview Court. That's near East 42nd Street and Shadeland. The identity of the victim or additional details on the incident have not been released. Indiana Black Expo announced yesterday morning that the organization is awaiting the results of a police investigation after an image of a cross appeared to be burned in the grass in front of the organization's east side headquarters. On Friday, Indiana Black Expo staff members noticed what looked to be a chemical burn in the shape of a cross on the grass, according to a statement from the organization. The incident was reported to IMPD and the Black Expo is now awaiting results of the investigation to determine a cause. IMPD Sergeant Grace Sibley said that officers are aware that a cross was previously on the property and a police report has been completed. (laughs) 
Indiana is reporting 411 new cases of coronavirus and 19 new deaths, bringing the state total to 42,061. Marion County is reporting 63 new cases, bringing the county total to 10,904. In the forecast, mostly cloudy skies with a high of 80. Right now, it is 70 degrees in Indy. And so, Ebony, as we talked about uh, police reform and exactly what that looks like, mm-hmm. is the question uh, happening and being asked in major cities across the country, including right here in Indianapolis? What do you think? What are your initial thoughts when you heard about the mayor uh, talking about this new study in which um, we would look at? If there would be reform, where would that money go? IMPD is going to be graded on their um, interactions and mm-hmm. response to the community. They'll be getting a letter grade through this study. Um, and then there'll also be a study of, or a review, I should say, of how IMPD responded over the past couple of weeks to the pre- peaceful protests and the riots mm-hmm. overnight. Um, and what role they played in all of that. So with that said, what do you think when you hear there's going to be a study and a review? So I think when I first heard the word study and review, I'll be honest, I was not very thrilled um, because sometimes I think that we get stuck in the study phase of things. When you take um, public transportation, for instance, in Marion County, it went to study several times Um, before they were able to actually improve the system and get the work done it needed to be done um, because our public transportation system was one of the worst in the nation. Right now we are experiencing record-breaking homicides year after year after year. So when I initially hear study and review, um, not very thrilled because I'm like, we need action. But when I looked a little bit deeper and saw the things that they would be doing, um, some of which you just mentioned, having a letter grade um, for how the city is working and how policing is working. Um, I love that the fact that they're going to sit with public stakeholders and get information. They're going to collect relevant data, which, uh, you know, Dr. Brianka Merritt is a data person, so she's going to be able to walk us through that. Um, But they are going to be setting forth actual policies to move forward with this. So I'm very... um, you know, if it seems promising and um, the woman from NYU um, that they are working with, it seems like she has a really um, great background in this and Milgram. Um, I think we have something to start with. So I'm excited to see where it goes next. But definitely got some questions. Well, to get us an idea of where this does go next, uh, you mentioned Dr. Brianka Merritt. She is the founding mm-hmm. director of the Center for Research on Inclusion and Social Policy and is a clinical assistant professor at the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, or for short, IUPUI. Dr. Merritt's work aims to inform both local stakeholders and academic audiences, and she's going to do that right now. She joins us live on the live line. Dr. Merrick, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy to have you here. How are you? Great. Glad to be here. Great. Absolutely. So, Dr. Merritt, um, we were just talking about um, the mayor's plan that came out this week, um, talking about a study that is going to be done to look at public safety, safety and policing and some of the root causes of the issues that we are experiencing. Um, I'm going to pose the same question to you that um, Cameron posed to me earlier. What were your initial thoughts when you um, 
found out about this this program that the na- uh, that the mayor is entering into with NYU? Yeah, I think I obviously have a unique perspective because I'm someone who obviously works with data and research all the time, but mm-hmm. also care very much about the community. And as a black woman myself, I can understand, like you said, I mean, some of the frustrations coming from the ground as well, um, especially given the length of time that that study will have to take. Um, so I think that it's definitely a step in the right direction to figure that out. But I also think, um, you know, some of it doesn't require reinventing the wheel. I think a lot of local folks and um, even national folks, too, have already said, like, here's some things that work really well. So I hope that a lot of the time is spent on contextualizing what that looks like for Indy, how we're engaging community activists and leaders in this work so that we can make sure that we're not necessarily coming up with something from scratch as much as making sure that what already has shown to work elsewhere is a good fit for the city of Indianapolis. Absolutely. Dr. Merritt, when it comes to defunding or um, refunding, however you want to put it, or abolishing the police um, what is uh, on the academic side? What what has that conversation actually been like? Because there's a difference between abolishing the police altogether, and then there's more of a, an informed, in depth look at reforming police, so that maybe when you need to call for uh, emergency assistance, it may not be somebody with a gun, but someone who has resources for that situation. Like if you call nine one one for a fire. Uh, the bullets don't work. You need a firefighter with water. Right. So um, I am not an expert in uh, police brutality or even the conversation about defunding the police, but I am one in the different social services that people would access. And one thing that we found in our work in India is that um, police officers in particular uh, often get called for, like you said, Cameron, things like um, social service type things, homelessness. And to your point, they're not trained to do that and they admitted as such and so um to the extent that we actually address more of the root causes of issues um and i'm not talking about you know things that cause people to end up being arrested or incarcerated but like you said some of the things that are just connecting people to resources and to help there's plenty of research that shows um nationally too that if we invest in some of these um, other types of efforts, whether it's poverty reduction, employment opportunities, et cetera, those are things that lead to longer-term change. Uh, the issue that people push back against often, especially at a political or policy level, um, is that it takes a long time to see those results. And usually when people are running for office, they want to be able to say and stand on, hey, we've seen this progress, but when it takes 20 years to see that come to fruition um, on another side, you know, there's a little bit of probably frustration issue. Dr. Mayor, another question for you. Um, As we look at what it is that they are intending to do with this um, study, we've talked about the data and how it takes a while um, to gather those things. But as somebody that works with this, um, what can you share with us about how it informs um, policy and how important it is? Also, um, have you all, has IUPUI, has your center been engaged at all with the mayor on this work? I noticed that they said they're going to, you know, talk with different stakeholders in the community. So I was just curious to know if you've gotten a call or an email yet. Yeah, so I guess you asked two questions. Um, The second one, I will say that we have worked um, with the mayor's office and the city county council on different, a variety of different efforts over time um, in the university as well with, you know, engaging folks on public safety, IMPD stuff. Um, our school has done a study of body cameras and whether those would be feasible um, a couple of years ago or so, maybe last year. So we've been involved in some of the processes um, over time, but uh, we have not yet been engaged for this particular work. 
Um, and then your first question, Ebony, could you repeat that, please? The first question was about the importance of gathering data when yes. it comes to informing policy. Um, we know that this is going to take a while, and you mentioned about the frustrations. Um, but why is it so important that we gather this information to inform where we go next? Well, we always want to have um, at least somewhat of a clear idea of not just where we're going, but why we need to go there. And when it comes to issues like this that are so um, racially charged, a lot of the work tells us that when it comes to race, people just don't want to engage, whether it's other elected officials, whether it's getting buy-in from people in the city. And so for better or for worse, the more information that you have to justify why you need to do in a, move in a particular direction, it can bring people on board. Um, and especially if you can show it that, you know, it's cost-effective, it'll save money in the long term. Those are terms that folks want to hear when they might not be wooed by, you know, black people are getting killed by the police disproportionately because then you see the things like, oh, well, they're more likely to commit more, more crimes and murders. And so it's justified. Uh, being able to put dollars and cents to it sometimes make it makes it a little more palatable to people who otherwise would not really engage on that issue. 317-239-9696. is the number to get on the air this morning, on the air on a Sunday morning with Dr. Brianka Merritt of IUPUI uh, talking about the possibilities of what does police and public safety reform look like. If you've got a question for her on is your thought maybe possible uh, or where that fits in based on the research and the studies that she done she has done call us 317-239-9696 dr merritt when we talk about um sending different resources are there already studies that show um who should be responding you know maybe differently to um a domestic violence call is there someone additional who maybe should be showing up or, you know, if someone is having an overdose, is there someone additional has that kind of study and who that type of person should be? Has that already been thought about? Yeah. So we actually do. I have some colleagues at a study MCAT, which is the mobile crisis assistance team that was actually supported through um, PD and a few other folks. And the goal of that work was to calls IMPD or, or um, 911 or EMS to get help, like you're having a mental health crisis, you're having an overdose, they would actually send out um, a mobile crisis team to deal with your issue rather than purely sending out IMPD or purely sending out an ambulance. They would send out an entire team of folks to help address your issue. And what they found was that um, it was significantly related to better outcomes for those folks because they had resources they were connected to the right people at the right time. And so I think they've expanded that study up uh, to try and get a broader reach across the city to really show. And that is something that the mayor has cited in the past is a particular, a potential direction uh, for kind of dealing with, like you said, Kevin, these holistic issues when people are engaging with emergency services rather than sending, you know, one type of unit out to a person. Well, I don't know what we said, but suddenly the phone <laughs> lines have blown up. Every single line is full at 317-239-9696. So that means folks have questions about is this doing too much or is this not mm-hmm. enough or are we off base? Let's see what the folks have to say this morning on the live line. Let's go to line one. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Caller? Hello? Hi, you're live on the air. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? What do you think of this? Uh, my opinion, I don't think it really just going to work. It might work for a minute, but it really it might. It's not going to work because things got to be constant. 
you know, I'm a, I'm an African American father, and I've been active with my kids for years. And as soon as I go to the school, the principal that made up a lie and said that I didn't threaten the teacher and the staff and everything. I mean, being a black man in America, if we don't come together now, it'll never work. When, let, let me ask you before I let you go. In that situation, um, so what you're saying is things escalated because were the were, was there school police there or did they call police and then things here's escalated? The thing, here's the bad thing about it. I got a five-minute recording on the phone talking to the principal. The principal is lying, saying that CPS is telling me to stay away from my child. I asked him. I said, well, send me the letter. Who did you talk to? He said, well, they're going to give you a letter. All of a sudden, five minutes later, the police is knocking at my door with a letter that said that I threatened school staff and all this stuff. And I, I told them, y'all got cameras in the school. Why y'all didn't pull the cameras? Even though I found this report with I, I, uh, IPS, ain't nothing getting done. You know, the thing about it is they know what they're doing. If you take the black man out of this household, we can get them kids in our system. All right. Wow. And these school teachers are racist as heck. They're, they're racist as heck. They're not there for the kids. They're there for the paycheck. Yeah. All right. Thank, thank you, you for, for that. Dr. Uh, Merritt. Sorry, Ebony, I jumped on top of you. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I think that's another example of what we were talking about earlier, um, where another resource would have been beneficial in that situation. I'm thinking maybe a social worker or someone, as opposed to the police delivering um, that letter. So just wanted to, to get some feedback on that. And let me piggyback yeah. on that question, because it's kind of the same thing what I was mm-hmm. about to ask. In that situation, I know of... Uh, We've talked a lot about having school police um, yeah. and, and school districts launching their own police departments for a number of reasons. Obviously, we've had a number of school shootings over the years. And so there has been a justified reason to have police in schools. With that said, has there been any studies about how schools should be reforming um, police or looking at things? Because I know in the district that I work in and graduated from in Perry Township, They've already kind of reformed things to where if a student is misbehaving in class, that's not something we call school police to deal with because that student is not committing a crime. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're going to send an administrator there who is going to handle that. When you break a law, then we'll call school police because otherwise you're getting kids pulled out of class mm-hmm. by a police officer because they were disruptive to learning, which is not a crime. Yeah, so I think what the caller talked about is why we're having conversations about systemic racism. And, you know, that's what we're talking about when we say, you know, our institutions have problems, our policies have problems. And so what he's described is very common. Um, Some of the work that we've done here, we've engaged a lot of kids, high school kids, in their experiences in schools and in the community. And they're tired and they're traumatized. And most of these kids don't do anything wrong. And... You know, to have a police officer or a school resource officer in this case called out for what someone perceives to be negative behavior is extremely, like I said, traumatizing. Um, They don't forget that. And it also affects their interactions with other law enforcement based off of that interaction with the school resource officer. So nationally, there is an effort to try and get those folks out of school because, like you said, Cameron, you know, can we bring in social workers? And I think kind of to the caller's illusion, can we get people who are more representative of our children in the classroom and mm-hmm. school setting. And we frankly don't have a lot of black representation among our teachers or our administrators in a lot of our public schools across the city. And so that's another issue that can help de-escalate some of those situations as well. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Merritt. Uh, let's go back yeah. to the phone lines. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live. Oh uh, yeah. This is uh, Larry. Vaughn. Good morning, Larry. 
you know, she hit on the topic, that's the real racism. When you get somebody coming to see about their child, uh, having the police call in and then having the police come to their house and to see how weak the family is and see if they can separate the family and take the kids and chins them over to uh, fill them up with dope. So I just think that we're looking at the wrong thing. When we look at public safety, we pay these people to be professionals. They should be professionals. That should be the last word on it. We're not talking about defunding anything. When you pay somebody to do a job, they do that job. They don't need your help. If they need your help, then they don't qualify as professionals. And I think most law enforcement are professional people. So we need to stop doing studies and realize that in America, it's about what you can do. If you can work, if you can lay uh, five or 600 brick a day, you're going to get hired. You're going to make about three or $400 a day, and that's going to support your family. But they're not going to do that. They're going to do everything. They're going to teach you about the Africans. They're going to teach you about uh, what June 19th is and all that other stuff. But they're not going to teach you how to measure, how to cut a material, how to make a living for yourself. And then if you want to go to college, you can certainly pay for that after you master your trade. So I just think we're going down the wrong road here when we look at law enforcement, even though a small percentage of us have run-ins with law enforcement that may be fatal. It's taken up too much of our time. We ought to drop this right away and say, hey, we know that we're black. How do we have to conduct ourselves to exist? in this society, in this economy, let us know and don't keep moving the goalposts on us. That's what we need to say and make a declaration of that and let the police do what they want to do because we don't care about what the police do. When you have a job and you have a family that you're supporting, you don't have time to mess with the police. All this protest and everything is about one thing, you guys. It's about people. You know it was hot yesterday, right? It was 90 degrees. It's about people not wanting to go to work. They don't well, Larry, want to go to work. Larry, I have. I want to, you know, interject a little bit. Um, Good. So, the thing about the police and them, you know, people that are working and stuff, not not bothering them. I think that we have a lot of examples of people that were doing just that, minding their business and trying to exist in, in this society, um, still being negatively impacted. Um, by law enforcement you know the one of the first things that came to my mind is Philando Castile he worked at a school serving kids you know and was with his family at the time that he was you know murdered so I think you know I don't I don't think that we can really say that to just completely you know absolve the police of doing what it is that they're supposed to do because they haven't I, I mean to this point haven't been doing that properly and we have so many examples of that I think that we can because this is that's an instance where uh, somebody was out of control that needs to be dealt with on a personal basis and taken care of and let our system move on. If we stop and try to interdict every time when somebody comes in contact with law enforcement and have an unfortunate outcome, we -hmm. need to keep one thing on our mind. If you don't have money in your pocket, and you guys know this, you don't have nothing coming. You have to have a trade if you're a black man. We need to realize that our community have given up Uh on the skill intellect that's necessary for any group of people to exist in a society. All right. right. Thank you for your call, Larry. All right. Thank Thank you, Larry. Let's jump to the next caller right now. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Good morning. This is Herbie Mack. I just want to say this and and let the doctor uh, go from there. You have the doctor I know um, went to school however many years before 
she became a doctor. You have a judge that goes to school however many years before they're able to be a judge, a lawyer, uh, whatsoever. But these police officers, they go through a six-month training and they give them a gun and now they're able to take people's lives. Mm. Um, Maybe that needs to be looked at. Why don't they go to school for four or eight years before they're actually qualified. Also, what's going on with the psychology of these officers? Because if it's different departments that's displaying the same uh, vicious activities towards the community, there's obviously some type of psychological breakdown with becoming a police officer. And also, what about the idea of giving a police officer a term to serve the community politician. Thank you for your call, Harvey. On the air this morning with Dr. Brianka Merritt talking about police reform. Lots of callers at coming in at 317-239-9696. Dr. Uh, Merritt, the question and answer to you. Yeah, so I think there, I don't know if there's been studies, though, but I know that is a very common line of discussion on our police officers getting Um, not just longer periods of training, but the depth and the quality of that work so that it's not just even about law enforcement activities but over a holistic education. Obviously, there are people who are on the police force who have bachelor's degrees and higher, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think to this point, there's a question about, you know, learning about more de-escalation things even from a psychology perspective as well. And so uh, there has been a discussion about more comprehensive education for law enforcement, although there also are folks who have... um, training as well, but certainly the length um, has certainly been an issue. I would also add that um, in some of the work that we've done locally, uh, one of the things that has stood out too is that a lot of folks in the community, and so it's interesting seeing this conversation happen nationally too, is that they have also said, you know, we want our law enforcement to live where they serve. And so a lot of folks express frustration with not having someone accessible who lives in their community and serves it, and they feel like that would also help reduce some of the issues that the caller was talking about as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, This is a little bit off topic, but um, Dr. Mayor, I know that your school, um, your program has done a lot of studying about the issue of housing, especially here in Marion County. Um, We've shared this before, but Marion County has uh, some of the highest eviction rates in the state. I think the highest eviction rates in the state. Um, We are still living in the midst of a global pandemic and rent freezes are getting ready to expire wanted to get your feedback and your thoughts on the issue of housing um, and what could be done um, here in the city of Indianapolis yeah so I will say that if that is allowed to expire locally things are about to get very bad for a lot of folks and a lot of them are going to be disproportionately black residents of our city Um, there is a group called the Who's who's your housing needs coalition uh, with lots of different um, nonprofit stakeholders who are actively trying to lobby um, the state and the governor's office to extend that moratorium until things are more stable for people who are renting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the Ross Foundation that is actively going around um, parts of the city and trying to let renters know about their rights and tenants know about their rights so that they uh, are aware of what can happen to them in case this expires and then what to do in the case that they are evicted. Um, at the same time, it shouldn't be on renters to know every single thing about a process. So I think yeah. the city's taken some steps to try and reduce that more than the state has. And I think, you know, folks are on the ground right now trying to figure out how to prevent that onslaught from happening. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Merritt. We appreciate your time um, and for talking with us. So um, that was Dr. Brianka Merritt, founding director of the Center for Research and Inclusion and Social Policy um, at IUPUI. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Still to come this morning on the Open Line Show. Juneteenth was just yesterday on, well, I guess it's Sunday now. So Friday. it was on Friday. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, we're still celebrating all weekend long. We'll talk about one of the events that turned out beautifully right here in Indianapolis. And we'll also touch base on something that is making headlines this morning. And that is this cross that has turned up at the Black Expo headquarters on the east side. We'll talk about what that could mean and what do you think that means means i'm hearing some very scientific possibilities of how that cross turned up it's a police investigation i will bring you up to speed on that and so much more as we continue to take your calls at 317-239-9696 those of you who are waiting on hold stay right there when we come back we'll talk to you right here on 106.7 wtlc and hot 96.3 this is the open line show We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on High 96.3. Hi, this is Oshia Boyd, editor of the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper, in Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. And back live here in Indianapolis on a Sunday morning, the 21st day of June. Good morning to you. Ebony, how you feeling? What's up? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great, Cam. You know, we had Juneteenth on Friday. It was beautiful. It was black, super black. Beyonce dropped a new song on us. You know, so I got those things to look forward to. We got some crazy stuff happening in our city, though, so that hurts me a little bit, but I'm trying to keep hope alive. What about you? All that aside, it is Father's Day. It is Father's Day. And to that, we say happy Father's Day to all the men out there doing what it is that you do every day, 365. But on this day, it is special for you. And so to that, I say, what's up, Dad? Happy Father's Day, Mr. Carl Riddle, who is uh, in northern Indiana right now, probably sleep. Someone call him and tell him, I just heard your son say your name on the radio. And then he'll call me in just a moment. Uh, Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers in my life. I got a few of them. So if y'all up listening, you know, happy Father's Day to you. So Michael Chappelle, Christopher Cunningham, Joanne Roberson, and happy Father's Day to my brother, the golden child, young Nino. Love you very much. Happy Father's Day. It is a weekend of celebrations. As we mentioned, this weekend was Juneteenth on Friday, June 19th. And there were big celebrations across the country, including right here in Indianapolis. If you happen to make your way out to the east side, then you would have seen this big family festival right there at the corner of 38th and Sherman and Ebony. It turned out to be beautiful. That is fantastic. You know, I love to hear that. There was a lot going on where I was as well. 
um, Juneteenth. I started out the day. Um, it was also World Sickle Cell Day on Juneteenth as well. So I started out the day going to give blood and learn about um, sickle cell disease, adversity blood centers. So, you know, that's a disease that disproportionately impacts black people. Um, so, you know, I was happy to be able to do a little bit to help that out. But yes, yeah, so many beautiful events and gatherings all over the city. So really appreciate Indianapolis for showing out like that. We're going to get to calls in just one second at 239-9696. But I wanted to shout out Black Owned Indie for putting Friday's event together at 38th and Sherman. As I said, it turned out beautifully. And theirs was an opportunity to give Black businesses a chance to shine and be on display as a, a, a show of what Black businesses and Black business owners can do Remember all of this happening on the day when our ancestors learned what they can now do, and that is be free. Ebony, I want to play some of the story that uh, aired Friday on WRTV celebrating Juneteenth right here in Indianapolis. of what black businesses can do. You can manifest your dreams out here today, and that's what I feel like I did. That was the goal for Trey Hester and two of his business partners when they decided Juneteenth would be the perfect day to elevate black businesses to a platform where they could be exposed to new customers. You know, since 1865, I believe, we've been a little bit freeish, right? And this holiday has been here since then, but it's taken us this long and for so many different things to happen for us to really see that, like, this is a moment that we need to come together. Juneteenth commemorates the day in 1865 when slaves in Texas received the news that the Emancipation Proclamation had gone into effect two and a half years earlier. As the day marks a moment when black people in America were able to do new things, this Juneteenth celebration in Indianapolis is the launch pad for a number of black businesses which often face challenges other businesses don't. Black businesses have been discouraged. When you think about loans, when you think about people just coming to shop with you in the first place, that type of um, like propaganda that we face, it's, it's unseen, but it's also seen by us. The business owners you see here were able to set up shop for absolutely free, putting everyone on an equal playing field, including teacher and business owner Michaela Rice, who says the celebration today put her small black-owned business of custom education supplies directly in the spotlight. So for me, this platform is huge because I'm on display. I'm on display with my community, not just by myself, but as a team effort, three people put this amazing event on, right? And we're on display. And I really honestly feel that that's what it's about. On the east side, Cameron Ruddle, RTV6. And shout out to Trey Hester for putting that together as well as his two business partners. Um, two other ladies, one from Miami, another here. I remember her name is Dominique and the other woman... I want to say is Lecrae, and if I if I mess that up, I apologize. Uh, charge it to my head, not to my heart. Um, with that said, let's go <laughs> to the That was really cool, Kim. Yeah. I, I appreciate you putting that report together because I, it reminds me of when Don't Sleep used to do the Black-owned business, Black Party, and we have so much excellence going on here, so it's good for people to see that. 
Yeah, and it was beautiful, and it was a good turnout. And Ebony, I know you'll be happy to know that there were people with masks on. Thank God. We got to keep it safe and sanitized. All right, with that, let's go to the <laughs> phone lines at 317-239-9696. You guys have been waiting patiently, and the phone lines have been ringing this entire show. Let's try to get as many of you in as we can before we go off the air this morning at 9 o'clock. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. That's why you ended up calling me. Hey, you're live on the air. Hello? Hello, Hello. Hello you're live on the air. Yes, this is Tim. You're you're live on the air. What's your name? This is Tim. Hey, Can what's up, Tim? Yeah, I hear you now, man. What's up? Oh man, I just wanted to call about the first conversation, man. And uh, you know, I've been I've been around Indianapolis a long time, and, and been had my boots on this ground in this city for a long time. And I I understand all this study stuff, and but the way I think it should be working is this: you know, we need to. Re- you know, divert some of that money to the streets, man, to some of these neighborhoods. Is, I mean, you're aware of what I'm doing over on the west side right now, you know. So we need to take some of this money that they keep spending on these studies. Now, I'm not against studies, but I think the studies ought to be happening while we're out there doing what we're doing to see if it's working while we're, we're out here doing this stuff on the streets, man, pulling these neighborhoods together you know, working with these kids in these neighborhoods, both black, white, brown, and everything. So, you know, they keep padding these people's pockets, and I'm not against the people that went to college for these studies. I mean, and they may work, but we need we need the conversation to be studied when we're out there doing what we're doing and then tell us what we can do better in these communities, and that's just my take on that. All right, Larry, appreciate it. Let's go to the next caller online, too. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Is it is it my turn now? Yes, it is, sir. Good morning. Hey, I want to. Hey, this is Paul, and I, I want to say greetings to the divine out there. Uh, I want to. I want to use uh, June nineteenth. I want to use that. Uh, I'm gonna make a couple of comments real quick. And uh, my name is Paul. And if you if you look up the definition of the word of the name Paul, it, it gives you the definition of small. I would like for the black community to stop referring to their business as small. Mm. Interesting point. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. what what are your I thoughts think, on that? <laughs> I think we we lost Paul. Um, oh, l- hold goodness. that thought, Paul. Call me back. Uh, yeah, I want to know more. <laughs> uh oh, hold on. Let me see. Let's take this caller online. One caller, you are now live on the air, and then we'll see if we can get back to Paul in a second. Hello, you're live on the air. Caller. All right, let's jump to this person. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. You're on WTLC and Hot ninety six. What's on your mind? Some of my mind is um, the upcoming election, 2020, and uh, we in uh, emergency situation with this president we have at the White House. Uh, people need to understand what this man is all about. Certain people, none of his members yeah. are people of color, and uh, turn your radio down for me in the back. We got a, we got a. Uh, we got to get this man out of office before he turns this country into a third world country. Um, people don't realize the fact he's a dictator. He's, I call him number, Hitler number two. We don't want to wake up one morning and you have soldiers outside of our houses in our apartments. He told the president of China to go ahead and build concentration camps. People better listen to the news. They better watch the news and see what's happening. 
All right. Thank this you for your call. ideology is to turn this country into a third world country. Thank you. Right. Another yeah. All right. Thank you. I think we have Paul back here on line one. Paul, is that you? Good morning. Yes, I'm back. All, All right. right. Yeah. So uh, we shouldn't okay. call our businesses small. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we shouldn't. We should to ourselves as small. I am one individual and bigger than life. So we need to start uh, referring to ourselves as such. Now, uh, from this June, from the freedom, from our, our freedom, our so-called freedom, we have to understand that when the birth certificate and the Social Security card was introduced, that was introduced so that they that the government can still maintain their power and control over us. Over us. This is why the police department acts the way that they do because we gave them a right. So in order to uh, eliminate these things, we need to get our attorneys together and go and fight the law. We need to fight the law. These marches and tearing up people's property and all these different types of things, that is nonsense. We need to attack the law. We need to get our black uh, uh, lawyers, federal lawyers, Mm -hmm. and we need to free ourselves from that and develop another system that, so are you speaking of maybe becoming sovereign? Is that what you're speaking about? Like getting no, the lawyers no, no, to fight no. what law? No, 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 okay. no, 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 That's not what I'm speaking of at all. Okay. What I'm speaking of, what I'm speaking of is true freedom. I'm talking about true freedom. We don't need to be owned. We don't. Why do you think the police is allowed or any agency is allowed to come in your house and take your children? Mm-hmm. See, if we investigate the law, then we will find out these answers. We need to know. We need to know. It, it's great what everybody's trying to do, mm-hmm. and I applaud that. But we need to go serious. We need to go at these laws. We need to have these laws changed. We take their laws and make it better for everybody and not just to serve one group of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have to step up. We have to step up. And we have to take control. Those slaves, there was a group of slaves. They let those slaves go, and they said that they're not going to make it, and they're going to come back. But those slaves never returned. All right, so thank we you for have the ability. We taught the world, and we are going to have to uh, assume our position mm-hmm. so that we we have the divine spark. Yeah. And we need to look at ourselves and love ourselves as that. Mm-hmm. Thank right. you We're going to win this battle, guys. Yeah. No matter what Indeed. propaganda is being spread, we are going to win this, and we're going to get rid of all these all sicknesses. Right, Paul. And all we we got to let you go, Paul. All this other madness that's going on. Yeah. We are going to put a stop to this. Yeah, thank you for your call. All right, Paul, all right. thank you for calling us back, too. I appreciate that. Uh, let's keep going. I want to get as many calls in as calls in as we can, and then we'll talk briefly about the crossover at Black Expo. Caller, on line three. Good morning. You're live on the air. And, and are you talking to me? Am I on? I am talking to you. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Thank you for having me uh, on the line. Uh, I agree somewhat with uh, Brother Paul that just left the line. But this is my dilemma. I'm 51. I don't look my age. And I'm having to explain to my son why I have a sign in my car that I will raise out of the sunroof if I get pulled over. I'm not armed. I do not want any problems. I'm going to pull over, but I'm going to pull over when I get somewhere publicly where I don't feel like I'm going to be killed. Why do I have to ride around with a sign, a picket Mm. sign in my own car? We have to, like my man said, attack the laws. But until I have friends that are on the state police, personal friends, 
I have friends that are sheriffs, personal friends. And I have friends that are IMPD, personal friends. But because of how the Caucasian police are doing my personal relationship with them, I can't even trust them. I can't even trust them to come around me anymore. And I'm having to ride around with a sign, a picket sign in my car. If I get pulled over, I'm sticking it out of the sunroof. I'm not armed. Mm. I do not want any problems. I'm going to pull over. I have driver's license. I have registrations. I have insurance. And I'm pulling over when I get into a public place. Now, I'll hang up. You guys speak to that. All right. Thank you. To that point, you know, I just was hearing... um, that there is apparently a new feature on your iPhone, and I have not tried this out, oh, but apparently you can tell Siri that, um, I may be careful because mine is set up that way, but blank Siri, mm-hmm. I am being pulled over, and it will start um, an automatic recording yeah. on your phone to yeah. speak to what he said, just to be a witness and document what what is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is, it's, you know, I, I just, I feel for everything that he was saying, especially because we know that black women are being, um, you know, affected by state violence, but black men are, you know, at, at higher levels. And it is insane the type of stories that you hear, like him having to carry a picket sign in his car. I've been on the phone with black men that I'm close to when they've been pulled over and the whole time. I'm just on pins and needles listening to everything happening in the background because you never know when a seemingly um, simple situation like what we just saw in Atlanta, a seemingly simple situation gets escalated to something deadly. So, I mean, it's a shame that we are that we're having to navigate like this. Um. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, hard to follow up on on that because it's. It's, it's stressful. Um, with that said, something else else that has been stressful lately um, is all the, the racial divide that goes along just what we're talking about. And of course, uh, right now there is discussion and an investigation at IBE headquarters on the city's east side after uh, the shape of a cross appeared in the grass. Mm-hmm. And there was a police investigation to see if that is something uh, malicious or is this... Um, something else, something that I've heard scientifically um, yeah. is apparently there was a cross on that property previously. That was mm-hmm. a Bible college before it became um, the IBE's new headquarters. And someone has said that they were a, a landscaper and that when they would take up sidewalks and then replace it with grass, sometimes the gra- the new grass would burn in the shape of the previous sidewalk. Um, so there's could be a scientific explanation to how that appeared there. But wow. nevertheless, it has a lot of people on edge. It does have a lot of people on edge. And Cameron, I appreciate you sharing that scientific perspective. Um, you know, that would be the best case scenario here. And let's hope that it's that and that we can move on and that it's not anything malicious that has been done intentionally to um, try to re-traumatize um, the black people that work there and that that frequent that building for whatever reason. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about this over the weekend and really interested to hear um, what other thoughts are out there. Um, you know, you really can't take anything for granted right now. Yeah, because, you def- definitely got to yeah, be careful. For sure. We we hear and see so much um, insanity every day. So it's like, what what? how else can 2020 just get 
outrageous. What Don't else ask can be that done? question. We I still know. have six <laughs> and a half months. <laughs> we have six months and a week and a half to go. Uh, oh, we got God. another caller here on the line. 317-239-9696. Got a couple of minutes left in the show. Let's take this caller. Good morning. You are live Hello, on the air. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Em. Appreciate all you guys doing. How does it feel getting that fourteen gauge needle stuck in your arm over there, uh, Ebony? Oh well, you know she. I'm, I'm not gonna gonna make her feel too bad, but she missed on the first vein, so Ooh. they had to get me on the other side. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, so you know. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to say happy. First of all, all, the men that called, except for you guys, nobody said Happy Father's Day. So Happy Father's Day. First of all, I like to say. Second of all, I like to thank thank the people of Oklahoma. And East, I mean, and uh, West Texas, and all over the country for not showing up and making Donald Trump's day very, very uh, disappointing. Mm-hmm. Only six thousand two hundred uh, recorded out of a stadium that was supposed to hold nineteen thousand. So uh, uh, let's give them a shout out for not showing up. And number three, Cameron, I talked to Nathaniel Lee yesterday personally, and he said that they actually proved in court, since he handled the case, that Michael Taylor was murdered. So everything that Jocelyn Tandy told you the other day, he said, was categorically false. So we got to dispel people who want to call in, who want to dispel untruths, because she claimed that Michael Taylor shot himself, Ebony, and that oh, Daniel Lee, wow. who handled the litigation of the case, okay. said that they actually proved that he was murdered. The family won a civil case. The family won a civil case when the when the case was moved um, out of Indianapolis. So they won a civil case proving that something else. He had was murdered. Won. Yes. Yeah. Cameron, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. This was, the this was issue that 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 could be solved again. Uh, Attorney Milton Grimes said something yesterday, which thirty I thought seconds, was, brother. Okay, three seconds. To have them be state licensed and be governed under the state. And when they do, like with healthcare professionals or lawyers or other people or dentists, anything like that. And so the state then can have the power to revoke their license and, and, and keep them from earning a living instead of having these merit boards and everything like that. They should undergo a state license exam and be governed under the state licensing requirements. And I bet you that would stop a lot of uh, problems that we have. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Yeah. All thank right. you, M.O. Yeah, He's talking about a conversation that we were having on when I filled in on Tina Cosby show on mm-hmm. our sister station. AM 1310, 92.7 FM, The Light. Uh, got the full branding in there. Yeah. Um, uh, Jocelyn Tandy Adande called in when we were talking about uh, some of the police action shootings that have happened, mm-hmm. and she said one thing, and that is Imhotep uh, correcting the record. With that said, that's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines, Ebony. It is, and what a note to leave on. I'm like, we could go in on that one, but yeah, we got to go. Got to move on with our Sundays. But thank you all for for tuning in, all of our callers. um, Really enjoyed our conversation today. We will do it again next Sunday morning, beginning live at 8. And, of course, we will continue to keep you updated throughout the week with everything that is happening right here in Indy. I'll be back here tomorrow with more news with Karen Vaughn on WTLC and Ash Mac on Hot 96.3 beginning at 10. And then I'll see you tomorrow night for the news on RTV6. All right, you guys can catch me on social at Ebony the Writer, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great Sunday and a positive week. We'll have, we'll see you. The show will be online if you missed any of it coming up. Uh, it'll be on Apple Podcasts as well as on our website. And you can follow us at Open Line Show and me at Cameron Riddle. For Ebony Chappelle, our producer Anthony Bell, and our entire Radio One team, have a great Father's Day. We'll see you back here next Sunday, live at 8. Peace.